You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning. Welcome to the World Football Program 107.9 FM. Pen and Pete with you this morning till noon. Good morning, Pete. Morning, Pen. Lovely shirt, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. We'll have to get our usual shirt outside the front door and show everyone what you're wearing. Yep. Well, I, I don't have a Ukraine kit, but uh, Poland uh, spoke up very early in support, so that's yep. the kit today. I think it's pretty fantastic that... Uh, People are coming together, nations are coming together, organisations are coming together to stand behind Ukraine. Yep. And a lot of sanctions getting applied now. Uh, it's not the only tragedy that's happening. The floods, fires, war, pandemic, pass, passing on of some great sportsmen in Rod Marsh and uh, Shane Warne yep. in the last couple of days. Man, it's all happening. It is. I, I said to my daughter, Rose, this week that I never thought all of these things would ever happen in my lifetime. It's amazing. Yeah. True. Um, yeah. yeah, war in Europe especially was something we thought was a thing of the past. Yep. Um, but was not go. to be. Yep. And the far-reaching implications of that yep. uh, will still unfold um, for us. World Cup qualifications, international tournaments, players for Ukraine and their ability to play in tournaments. Mm-hmm. The sanctions applied to Russia and their inability to be playing with sanctions. Yep. And, uh, well... People that uh, own soccer clubs, football clubs, and if they have sanctions against them and their assets are frozen, how that affects wages of people. Yeah, and as, as we clubs. said, that that includes uh, Sydney FC and the A League. Yeah. So we, we're all hearing about Chelsea, obviously, up for sale. So if anyone's got a spare two billion in their back pocket and they happen to, <laughs> you know, be sort of a, you know on the edge about buying a club, I believe it's uh, fire sale time now in, uh, for Chelsea. It's amazing. Yeah, it's just. Uh, Welcome, everyone. 
We'll be here for the next two hours talking football, all of that and more with our guest today, Jamie Harnwell, Mayor of the City of Melville, George Gear, Luke Thompson, the WNPL coach from Mum FC, Simon Hill from Paramount Plus, Miranda Templeman, Adelaide United goalkeeper. <clears throat> I'm sure we can have a nice jovial banter about what's happening between Perth and Adelaide. Actually, there's not a lot happening between Perth Glory women. Fortunately, the women just missed out. Um, Thanks to, let's say, Canberra United's ineptness at least scoring one goal against victory. That would have got us through, but um, that's all right. That's yep. all right. They've, um, uh, Alex, Alex has turned the squad round. For when you consider that last season, the, the women finished last from memory. I don't know that they even won a game to sort of being just outside of, you know, just missing out on finals by, by goal difference. Yep. Um, so it's been an impressive turnaround and, I believe he's signed on again for next season, so hopefully it's uh, upwards and onwards to greater things. Yep, and the A-League men, Glory, still got a few games left of their season. Oh, they're coming home. They're coming home. Unfortunately, no shed. Yeah, well, th- this thanks week, for I don't know me if that, that means... Yeah, yeah, yeah so so the, the for anyone wondering, I, I did get a notification from Ticketmaster. You may have as well. Uh, anyone with a shed ticket uh, is advised to go sit in the... Uh, general admittance or silver membership uh sorry silver ticket part section so i believe that's the seating in front of the shed or the big grandstand off to the east uh the very central section of that is generally is reserved but the rest of that is is free to sit wherever you were uh wherever you are um i don't know if there's any plans yet from the shed as a whole to try to claim the uh, seats in front and basically turn that into the shed it wouldn't surprise me if that's what we wind up doing Lots of changes, and we were just saying earlier that uh, management of the National Leagues has been absolutely crazy yep. this year. I just look across the fixtures for the A-League, and just about every day there's a fixture. It's been postponed, rescheduled, and yep. so forth. I can imagine your A-League stat sites <laughs> management has been it's pretty hectic. It's been a pain because, <laughs> yeah, normally, normally sort of on the weekends, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, I'll, I'll go over for, a, you know, half an hour for an hour or so just entering results and getting everything up to date but yeah no it's been like literally every week uh, every day you know weekdays oh what games were played today right we need to get that in the system so i believe it's all up to date now i gave it a sort of check with the official table and yeah everything looks like we've got the right number of fixtures and everything good job uh melbourne city sitting on top yeah so be it uh more that's happening night series men's and women's night series state league npl happening right through the weekend Friday night games, Saturday night games. Um, and I do have to say, great big thank you, of course, to all of our partners and sponsors, Gate and Fence, Hardware WA, Futsal WA, Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron, and everybody who has signed up to be a member of the station, thank you very much. Royal Volunteers, pay for the studio time, so that helps us get onto air, helps the station do what it does. We love talking football. There's so much to talk about always in two hours. There is. It's there good, is. good fun. We have plenty to talk about in the next two hours. There'll be a bit of COVID stuff happening. Impending season locally, how that will be managed. We'll have a chat to Jamie Harmel about that from Football West. He'll be rolling into the CEO position fairly soon. Yep. James Curtis will move on and I think it's 1st of April that Jamie Harmel will step into that role. Not quite sure the, the difference it'll make, but probably more strategic stuff. Um, than operational stuff that Jamie's doing now. He's worn just about every hat <laughs> yeah, ever in footballing terms. He's, yeah. he's, 
you know, obviously as a player um, and normally as a defender, but I'm sure back in the late noughties I've seen him, I saw him play as both a striker and I'm sure even at least once for the glory he donned the gloves and went in goals and oh, sort wow. of an emergency I sub type thing. Can't remember that. I do remember him scoring the odd goal because he'd go up for the corners and yep. of course he's towering and, height. And then obviously coaching the women and... Uh, his his role at Sorrento and and you know he's already involved with Football West anyway, um, so yeah he's I think he's going for the trying to get the full collection of hats. Yep. Well, maybe that makes him just the perfect candidate because yep. he knows everything back to front. Certainly knows football landscape in West Australia pretty well. Yeah. I think we'll go to a break, Pete, and we'll come back and we'll chat more football with. Jamie Harnwell, who currently is the Chief Football Officer for Football West. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Programme. Stay tuned. 107.9 FM, your local station. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual, or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's, or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport, and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth generation family business. Bring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete in the studio with you. And just a reminder to everyone out there that COVID, restric- COVID restrictions are in place. I'm sure I'm going to say that word so many times <laughs> I'm going to have it down pat. Just like your surname, Pete. <laughs> By the time you get it down pat, hopefully COVID, COVID will restrictions will be all, all over. You notice yeah. I got it first time. Yeah, right. Okay, fine. Restrictions. So, at the moment, 50% capacity on seated stadiums, two square metre rule. Wearing a mask is mandatory, and that is, yeah, at... I I believe it's unless you're consuming food or, more importantly, drinks. I'm pretty sure, yep. Okay, we're sorted then. (laughs) And make sure you've got your proof of vaccination with you to enter anywhere, really, just in case. And that's uh, two-step identification photo and the COVID vaccination form. Or the state government one, which you don't need a photo ID with. Is it? Because it's a little animated thing. Yeah. Ah, okay. Cool. Or you can just stay at home and watch Paramount and streaming and and not go anywhere. And then you don't have to apply with the mask thing and the vaccination certificate. But I'm sure we all want to get out in football, especially with Perth Glory back in Perth on Sunday. Jamie, good morning to you. 
Yeah, good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, a month left as the football chief operating officer. Oh, my God. I, I'm, I haven't got your title. <laughs> now I'm going to have to learn a new one soon, too. <laughs> chief football officer. Thank you. I knew that. Phew. All right. So you've got a month left on the current title. How's things going under your watch? Look, very busy. It's, uh, you know, it's always a busy time for, of year for, for Football West, regardless, and then throwing in the mix. Um, everything that is going on at the moment has just added a, an extra level of, of work, um, of consideration that uh, our staff need to deal with. Um, I think the pleasing thing is that the majority, if not all, of, of clubs, players, uh, coaches, referees are understanding of the situation that we find ourselves in, that there's going to be changes, that they're going to have to be fluid, um, but most importantly that we're still trying to get games out on the park. So a busy time, but uh, it means that uh, football's going ahead, so that's never a bad thing. Yeah, and that's the main thing, isn't it, that we exist because we want people to play football, so however that can happen, we've got to figure it out. And I guess there's going to be a lot of figuring out for Football West in case of whatever happens this season. Yeah, and there's a, you know, a heap of um, scenario planning going on behind the scenes. We uh, have released, I think, to, to our NPL and State League clubs our initial guidelines across uh, uh, COVID for the for the league season and for, for cup competitions, and that'll be coming out to the rest of the, of the club shortly if it hasn't already. So the, the team's done a, a huge amount of work, but you know, what we can say is that you can plan for 10 scenarios and then the 11th one will pop up and actually be the reality. So yeah. it's, a, it's an ever-changing thing and, you know, we're, we're a small part of the, the overall ecosystem and how this is operating and, and obviously there's some places doing it tough. Um, we're very fortunate that we can go out and, and keep doing what we do. We've had a little bit of a, a taste of how COVID can directly affect us with the night series and the men's side of things. Anyway, I don't think there's been any postponements in the women's yet where a couple of teams have been affected by COVID, haven't been able to get a, a team on the park and the games have been forfeited, which has meant, um, unfortunately, at this stage, through to the finals. Mm. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's never a nice thing. Um, you know, Swan United was our sort of first taste of it in the men's state league night series. Uh, I think that was their final game and they couldn't progress, so that was a much, you know, much easier, much simpler one. Um, unfortunately for Inglewood last night had a, a number of cases and, and was waiting on further players uh, test results as well they didn't feel they could uh, field a team um, even with any exemptions applied for under 20s and, and what have you playing up and so made the difficult decision to, to forfeit it's uh, you know in in a league season that would be a postponement and yeah. would be trying to look to replay but you know Football West overarching view across this year will be that the league competitions will be the the ones that we need to get done we saw and, and felt the you know what we had to do when we stopped promotion relegation in 2020 it's not the natural way of things for football it's an integral part of our game and so yeah. unfortunately that means that, that competitions like the night series or perhaps cups um, might need to be sacrificed to make sure that teams can complete their league commitments Just for those a bit unknowing out there when you postpone a fixture at that level is it a matter of having to qualify for a number of players or a particular reason? No, so for, for COVID in particular, um, the guidelines that have been sent out for MPL and State League men and women is that uh, it's five or more cases of mm. uh, COVID, um, either isolation or direct infection, uh, triggers a review by Football West and then depending on that level of, uh, of those players unavailable and also other factors such as 
if they're, you know, they could be goalkeepers that are out, um, could have a further four players injured or suspended, um, the likes of that. So that's the, the threshold that we're using at the moment. That may change during the season. Um, and the, the, uh, the rest of juniors, amateurs and the like will be similar, probably just a little bit of a higher threshold, um, given that the, the NPL State League are playing for prize money. The promotion relegation stakes are quite high, um, and higher, and although I know many Metro teams that put a lot of stake into promotion relegation as well. But our overarching thing is that we want to get games played. We'll allow um, and work with clubs to postpone and refixture where possible. But uh, at a point in time, games either need to be played or um, or forfeited, and that's an unfortunate byproduct of, of where we are and not being able to extend the season through to November, December, which I don't think anyone really wants. Mm. Yes, that's what happened in 2020, didn't we? I think we had the... A very short season and no promotion relegation. Yeah, and then the, was it the next season we had it extended outwards a bit, or was it that season? I can't remember. Anyway, we, it's all we becoming had a, a bit of a blur, oh, isn't it? Oh, my God, it is too. <laughs> does, does it mean, Jamie, that Football West have conversations with other sports or clubs to say, well, okay, the season might look like this in the best scenario, but if it doesn't look like this in, in another scenario, it means we're going to have to use other grounds at other times. Can we do it, lights, um, the condition of the grounds through winter, and then maybe speaking with other sports and other, other clubs in other sports and using their facilities, and I don't know, they might be talking to you as well for exactly the same reasons. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of conversations going on behind the scenes. Um, and referring back to 2020, the season didn't kick off till June, I think it was, or July. Yeah. Uh, and so we work very closely with um, with the likes of, uh, of cricket um, and other sport through Walga uh, to push back what the winter season would normally be like. And so I think we gain an extra three or four weeks for that. The difficulty, of course, at this time is, and let's hope that nothing uh, to this degree happens, but the whole of sport, the whole of society was basically stopped for two or three months, yeah. um, which changed that conversation when we're talking about individual clubs uh, having to postpone games and push games back. That's a, a harder conversation to have, but what we'll be is working with, with clubs and those clubs that can facilitate midweek games as well under lights um, to make sure that all those fixtures can be completed and within the time of the season. Absolutely. And other things on the Football West agenda, the AGM's coming up and it's a time when we recognise things, uh, you know, people have contributed to the community like life memberships. What else is um, brought up on the AGM agenda? Yeah, the AGM is like any uh, company, the, the financial statements for the previous year, um, the chairman's report will speak through uh, life membership nominations, uh, which last year we saw um, Hans Meyer and Richard Kreider both recognised for their yep. service to the game and so hopeful uh, that we will see uh, another couple go to the members to vote on. Uh, but it's just a chance to, to reflect in some ways as well across, you know, a very busy 2021 when there was a lot of doubt at the start of the season, thinking back then as, as there is now across uh, what sports uh, place is in, in Western Australia. And I think, you know, we've seen over the past two years how strongly it's valued by our state government, how strongly it's valued by our community um, and how well the sport continues to travel despite all of the, uh, all of the issues surrounding it. How will COVID affect uh, launches for the season at all? At this stage, it shouldn't affect any any events. Uh, as long as you know, we're trying to give our best guidance out to our clubs. So, it's the, as you said, Penny, the fifty percent of fixed uh, seating capacity at those grounds that do have them, 
Um, licensed venues can have up to 150, bearing in mind the two square metre rule, um, for seated service, which means either drinks or food brought out or can be purchased at the bar but must be taken back to seats and uh, eaten, drank, sitting. So uh, at the moment we're, we're progressing. We're, we're hopeful that these measures are enough across, uh, across our community that we don't need to go any further. But uh, looking forward to a, a nice series final next weekend, the MPL season launch uh, coming up shortly after that and then, of course, the start of the, the men's MPL and not long after the start of the, the women's MPL as well. Yep, and then it's all on. And the female football week is... Are we in the middle of that right now or does it start on this weekend with the Girls' Day Out? No, we're in the middle of it right now. So we've um, been recognising some of our uh, female football champions across the week um, through referees. I think there was a club president, Bal Divers, from memory as well, came out. Um, so it's all part of what we're doing. There's a, a free female referee level four course on this weekend and of course our Girls' Day Out which is sort of our signature event across the week it's uh, tied in with our Hyundai uh, Building Stronger Clubs program as well and a special panel across female football in particular uh, for those clubs that are looking to build um, their female football program a uh, great opportunity that's been led by a bit of ma'am our uh, club engagement officer uh, and also driven by Sarah Duplessy our uh, female football advocacy manager as well and State Football Centre update tell us the good news there Jamie well, you might have seen Broad Construction has been announced as the uh, the winner of the main works tender. If you drive past the site, it wasn't a, too much of a secret anyway, seeing as all this signage has been up for the past couple of weeks, but we've been, uh, we're now able to announce it publicly. Uh, they're on site, they're uh, underway with the, the main works build, so at the moment it's it's a flat piece, piece of land now. Uh, it's clean, it's very unrecognisable from what it was some 12 months or so ago, so it's been Fantastic to, to get to this point, but now we'll actually start to see the the building of the the, the main uh, administration block. The, the pitches start to take shape, so it's really exciting time. Um, can't wait for the next couple of months as things start to go up and still on track for our end of March uh, completion date ahead of the Women's World Cup. Yeah, so just for the listeners out there, two sites in Western Australia, that's the State Football Centre and Dorian Gardens as training venues yep. for the Women's World Cup. And, of course, Dorian Gardens is... Ready to rock and roll, and uh, State Football Centre is is the the other place that has yet to be, Jamie. Yes, it, it is yet to be, but uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the, the fly through the uh, artificial into well, artificial intelligence, the um, the gen- computer generated fly through yes. of the State Football Centre with the current design. It, look, it, it it looks fantastic on the plans. There's been so much work, discussion, uh, challenging across. What, you know, the State Football Centre has to be something for everybody. Um, it's not just a high-performance venue. It's not just a community venue. It's, it's got five sides. So there's all these different variables that need to interact across a day-to-day basis. So it's been a, a really interesting process for me particularly to be a part of, and I, I can't wait to, to see it in action and for it to be built and opened and uh, let the WA public hopefully uh, come in and enjoy what will be uh, you know the, the best football facility in the state. Uh, and before we let you go, yourself, um, pretty much down to organisation at uh, grassroots and structural level for Football West. Are you having any withdrawal symptoms uh, <laughs> without being on the park yourself? <laughs> uh, actually, I'm not. Um, I, I know when the league season kicks off itself, I think that's when, uh, when it'll sort of hit home. I, I never really enjoyed pre-season, either as a player <laughs> or as a coach. It's always sort of was a little bit false. Uh, you're never quite sure how, you, how you're going to go. You, you, 
yeah, it's it's an interesting time um, of season. I know it's a, it's a necessary evil, um, and certainly <laughs> some, some fun competitions across the night series and the like. But you know, when it gets to the the week to week competition, that that challenge is something that I I really relish. I'm sure I'll miss, but it, it gives me the opportunity to go out and see a, a whole wide range of games um, across all of our different competitions now, rather than uh, just seeing the uh, the NPL. So looking forward to that, and uh, well, will hopefully be another another strong season. Uh, Jamie, quick question for you before we let you go. Uh, you may have heard we were discussing beforehand how you've played a number of roles for football in, in WA. And I was saying to Penny, I'm sure at some point in the <laughs> late noughties I saw you don the gloves for the glory and go in goals, uh, whether I can't remember whether our keeper had been red-carded or an injury or something. It, can you confirm? Because I can't remember <laughs> for sure and I can't find the match, but did you ever play as goalkeeper for Perth Glory in, in a game? I did. Uh, I think I... Twice, uh, Twice, once in the NFL days, uh, would have been the oh geez, the NFL finals. Our, the semi-final got beat by Sydney United, uh, yeah. which was my first season. Tony Franken got sent off, um, and I went in goals the last five or so minutes. And then in the A League, uh, I think it was Tando Valafi got uh, knocked in the head by Shane Smelt. Oh, okay. uh, again, I, I donned the gloves for the last ten or fifteen minutes. I'm proud to say I didn't concede a goal <laughs> uh, throughout that time. I don't think they had any shots, but that doesn't matter. Good awesome, thanks for that. Yes, yeah, so maybe, does that, does that mean you played every position on the park? Oh, I'm pretty sure I was never a right or left winger. Um, <laughs> I was, I was definitely no intent of that. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, another few years at Football West, and I'm pretty sure you would have covered every position at Football yeah, West. Yeah, every position off yeah. the park as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jamie, thanks so much for joining us. Really do appreciate your time. Uh, stay safe and enjoy your weekend. My pleasure. Thanks very much. See thanks, you. Jamie. That was uh, Jamie Harmel, the Chief Football Officer at Football West, and in a month's time he will be the CEO. Yep. Chief yep. I knew I'd seen him put the gloves on at some point. I knew my brain wasn't playing tricks on me. Now, before we go to uh, George Gear, yep. um, the State League and the NPL Night Series, you got some tables? Or? Oh, we do indeed. So, well, with the Night Series, so with the men, and uh, as we say, we're up to the semi-final stage at the moment. Um, last night was Floriot versus Inglewood, but as Jamie said, that was a unfortunately a, a forfeit by Inglewood. Inglewood, yeah. Uh, and tonight at Macedonia Park is the other semi-final, Sterling Macedonia, up against Perth SC. I don't think Sterling have lost any games at all f- through their fixtures yet. Oh, I shouldn't say yet. Sorry, they haven't lost any You are correct. Games. They are five from five at the moment. With, yep. Uh, so top of their group. I think they're the only team in the NPL Night Series that hasn't lost the game in their round games. Uh, well, Inglewood United also hadn't, but they'd drawn a couple. Yeah. So, but yeah. And, well, now they have by forfeit. So you could still yeah. make the argument they've never actually been beaten on the park. Yep. Uh, and in the NPL Women's... Um, 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 last week's results, so obviously a couple of games um, uh, this weekend as well, but last week's results was... No, this week's results. Northern Redbacks and Mum FC, three all. That yes. one was played up at Ellenbrook. And I, I, I know the, the diehard um, Mum FC supporters went to see that, but I believe you didn't go because you're just no. not that much of a diehard. Oh, yeah. ouch. <laughs> Slap you. And uh, Subiaco AFC <laughs> against Balcata Etna in the same group, although I don't have a result for that game. That supposedly, well, that was played at the same venue, so uh, that Straight should have been played. Yeah, yep. I don't know the result. If anyone knows the result, uh, lob it up onto our Facebook page. Yeah, and in the other group, in Group B, 
The fixtures are tonight. It's Curtin University against Hyundai NTC and Fremantle uh, Fremantle City FC against Perth SC. Both those games at Dorian Gardens. First one kicking off at five, and then the Fremantle Perth one at seven. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and the did you say MSL? Series, the State League? So in the State League series, uh, in the men's, they're up to the semifinals as well. And Mum FC, again, uh, came in with a 3-0 win over Quinns. Yep. Uh, Again, I don't have a result for Olympic Kingsway against Western Knights. So that was also played uh, same venue at Kingsway Reserve. So I'm not sure what happened there. But Mum FC will be into the final of the men's State League Knights series. Go. Great work, Tacky. And the women's State League? So I don't have that one. Saturday games, Mandurah are <laughs> playing South West Phoenix at Hay Park, and on Monday, uh, UWA are playing Sorrento at UWA. So you go, there's a Women's State League you and were, Men's State You were just going to keep asking until you hit one league that I didn't have the stuff for. <laughs> <laughs> are we ready to go to a break, Pete? Yeah. Cool, we're going to go to a break. This is the World Football Team. Pan and Pete will be back very shortly, having a chat to the Mayor of the City of Melbourne. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. can't hide their passion. Don't hide yours. Join our team. Refing football. Is it having the best seat in the house? Or is it about your love for the game? Is it the best weekend job you'll ever have? Or your favourite way to keep fit? Find out what refing football means to you. Register at myfootballclub.com.au. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Penn and Pete with you until 12. And our guest at the moment is George Gear, the Mayor of the City of Melville. Good morning, George. Good morning, Penn. Thank you for joining us. First time on the show. Congratulations. Hope it won't be your last. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> First time for everything. Absolutely. And uh, I'll claim my bias straight up. I'm uh, a diehard for the um, Murdoch Melville Football Club, have been forever. And Pete, my compatriot in the studio, is having a good old cack Just over there. Just not diehard enough to go to the games <laughs> on okay, a Friday night. Ellenbrook, come on. <laughs> Far out. Yeah, well, There's lots of, well, fo- lots of football happening at the moment. That's a big price for you, Pen. Well, yeah, he's... he's <laughs> He's just going to keep slapping me over there. It's all right. <laughs> so, um, George, just give us a little bit of a, a parameter of the size of the city of Melville compared with other cities in Perth and the role that you have to do with um, managing things. Okay. Well, look, uh, the city is it, it's a mature city in that we don't have any large tracts of land that are going to be subdivided. Eh? We're all subdivided out in, in Melville. We've got 
100,000 people in round numbers and about 42,000 houses. And like all local governments, we have an administration, that's all the public servants, and then we have the councillors, which are local politicians who determine policy and make decisions uh, regarding things like sporting um, venues and, um, and, and, uh, and other things, of course, roads and uh, rubbish and all that sort of stuff that local governments are, uh, are known for. So just on, on that then, very interesting point, you said there's no more subdivisible land, so there's no large no. tracts of land. So if we're going to talk about sport and, and the need to keep people healthy and active and engaged with their community out in the fresh air without a mask on, which is what we want, how yep. are we going to help with the demand? Okay, well, what's happened, even though, even though uh, the boundaries of this city are fixed and uh, we don't have any more scope for... Um, growth in terms of the number of new houses, we still have an infill target. So every every council has an infill target from, from the state government. Uh, and over a period of time, we're going to grow the population somewhere by another uh, twenty to 30,000, but over a, a long period of time. So there's still going to be growth. And there's also natural growth, you know, as, as people move, uh, houses and we get younger people in and just as a reflection of that down at um, down at Adderdale there are a lot of new families down there young families uh, which are putting a bit of uh, pressure on Troy Park where there's, there's football and netball and um, t-ball and a few other games played down there. Mm. So does that mean that Space existing spaces will be converted, or clubs and sports will merge to make better use of space. I mean, how do you get more people into a community area to get them playing sport? Yeah, well, the first thing to do was to save some. You know, a couple of years ago, they were going to take four and a half hectares of priceless public open space and put a wave park on it. Now, oh, that would have, I remember that. Mm. That would have killed sport in, in, in Melville. I mean, we need all the, as you say, we need all the space that we can. So we've saved that, which is great. So down there, they've got cricket and, um, and rugby as the main sports. But what we didn't realise a few years ago is that uh, women are taking it up because women's cricket now is going gangbusters. And the AFL... Uh, women's soccer, women's rugby even. I mean, uh, so we've been caught a bit on the hop in terms of the uh, change rooms for, for women. Oh, now and you're talking. <laughs> yeah, now we, uh, we had a 10-year program which we've condensed into a two-year program because cause the need's there, so we had, to, we had to respond pretty quickly to that. Wow, okay. So you're saying that the budgets and ideas that were set aside to happen over 10 years are now going to actually happen inside of a two-year space? Yeah, that's right. Ooh. Well, we've got to. I mean, we can't have uh, girls getting changed in the car. No. We've, got to have, uh, we've got to have the facilities there for them. And, but uh, it's not only us. I mean, the, the growth has been uh, fairly recent. I mean, a few years uh, and, and fairly rapid. So I think it's caught a lot of local governments like us... Um, uh, in the same predicament where we had to hurry it up. Yeah, okay. So would you say that that's 
because of a, uh, a reason you can put your, your hand on it. The Women's World Cup is happening in Australia next year, so I'm assuming yeah. that a lot of the growth in soccer mm. is because of that. But um, what about all the other sports you're talking about? Yeah, well, the same thing. I mean, that's fantastic to get the women's soccer down here. And, of course, um, we've, um, like, we're doing everything that we can to, to uh, support sports. You know, back in a former life, I was... I was in the federal parliament and I was on a sporting committee, elite sports. And I always remember we went around to the Australian Institute of Sport and, and to different sporting sports around the country. But at the end of our report, we, we ended up with a, a triangle, if you could imagine a triangle with the base on the bottom. And the elite sports were just the, the, the pinnacle of that, um, of that triangle at the top. But then underneath that, there was the professional sports, the state sports, so it, right down the bottom was the community sports, which is which we're responsible as councils. Yep. So we're responsible for making sure that the facilities are there so that uh, our young sports, women at Ben, can um, can have adequate grounds to play on. So that's that's the area of our responsibility. Things like the World Cup uh, are more state and, and federal government responsibilities, but we'll do what we can. I suppose what that means, though, if there's a demand of registrations and people playing at the community level, then that's your responsibility. And when you say your 10-year plan becomes mm. a two-year plan and that the more girls are playing the sport, more boys are playing the sport, then we've got to not yep. only ensure that there's the change rooms for the boys and the girls, the grass space is kept in an excellent condition and there's no more park space out there. It's got to... I mean, what's alternatives to that? Turf or transitioning buildings? How does that work? No, no. Well, look, we we actually do have quite a bit of space, uh, especially along the waterfront down near Tompkins Park. So there, there is a bit of room for expansion, but I think also it's scheduling. Uh, so we can schedule it so we get uh, better use out of it. And the other thing too is is um, putting in the lights so that we can, uh, if needed, we can even actually play into you know, like twilight sports. Yeah. So all of those things are happening, but but. I haven't looked that far ahead, I've got to say, but uh, we'll be ready. I can see that lights would be probably something that you'd have to get the community on board with because if there's residential around those parks and you're putting in really bright lights, then... Uh, it's it's not, even, not even so much the bright lights, but the fact that there's games there at night, then you'll have yep. people driving and parking, Noise, parking and, yeah, yep. in the area. Yeah, well, that's yeah. yeah, well uh, it, we'll take Tompkins Park. We've just changed the lights down there now they're uh, led lights and they replace the old mercury vapor uh, the mercury vapor ones are the orange ones you see around the town yep. uh, but they they set off uh, well there's a lot of heat and there's a lot of glare and the glare factor on those is quite profound but when we put the lead lights in the led uh, the glare factor dropped dramatically and i know because i looked down on from uh, where I live, and and it's quite profound. So the technology is making it better for us in terms of lighting. But you're right about uh, yeah, you're right about the parking. But um, we've got to do something so that people can play sport, yeah. keep healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, City Melville is quite a, a large city area, and mm. I I can think of Mum FC as probably one of the biggest clubs in the city of Melville. What about other sports and their demands and you know grass versus turf and and things how, how oh, are they yeah. working with each other and competing for the space 
Yeah, well, down at Mor- Morris Buzzacott Oval, we've got the Melville Hockey Club, and they they uh, have um, uh, artificial turf, and uh, we've, they've just replaced it actually. Uh, but th- that's I think that's our biggest sporting club. I think they have over eight thousand members. Wow. Memory. Uh, but hockey's doing great guns down there. Then we've got the you know, various tennis clubs, the bowling clubs. Yeah, they're all doing pretty well. So the, I know the turf that went in at the Murdoch Stadium was part of a project that was going to be completed at some stage in the future. Do you have any um, any idea of when that stadium might be completed? Because I can imagine that being kind of a hub, not just for soccer, but for possibly the university and other sports as well. Yeah. Well, that's not a City of Melville project, so I'm not uh, okay. across the detail on that. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, that'll be the university okay. putting that up. Yep, all right, yeah. no probs. Um, now, yep. John Connell Reserve is one I've seen that's uh, under the spotlight, and that's at the back, yes. I think it's back of the golf course in Leeming? Uh, Leeming Strikers. Yeah, yeah uh, back of the golf course and, 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 and right next door to the, um, to the Melville, uh, sorry, the um, Leeming Bowls Club. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, we've We've been. Oh, I've been out there a couple of times talking to the to the cricket club. They want an extra oval, um, and we're going to do that. We're going to give them the extra oval, um, and also so they play soccer out there too. So uh, it's it's soccer in winter, and then the guys play, uh, and the girls mm-hmm. play um, cricket in summer. Yeah, so more space. Nice, but. But John Connell Reserve itself, um, uh, apart from the sporting fields, we've got, uh, and it's right along the freeway, yeah. we've got a large tract of land which used to be a rubbish dump. So uh, we'll be turning that into public open space. Uh, but that's a future project. We've got to let some settling happen, but we'll, we'll do that. And that's extra space that could be used for sports. Um, but that's, that's a little bit further out into the future. I didn't know that. So is that where mm. the Leeming recycling plant is at the moment, around that space? Yes, it's around there. It's, yeah, yep. Okay. Wow. And settling, yeah. Same with John Creaney Reserve in Bull Creek. That was the old uh, refuse site many, many years ago when I was a kid and that um, gets levelled out and sand dumped on it from time to time and they've just planted grass over the – they've levelled it, popped, topped it up and put some grass on it, I think, over the summer period. Yeah, well, we're, we're just about to spend, I think it's around about $1.5 million on there, putting in a lot of facilities and bringing back, mm. remember the little old spaceship that used to sit out there? Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we're bringing that back awesome. in, a, in a smaller form. Uh, it's going to be a play thing for kids, you know, like playgrounds. Yep. Nice. And now, are you yeah. talking about John Creaney, uh, the top where the primary school is, or on the other side where the tennis courts is in the BMX track? Uh, on the other side. I might be getting my my um, areas mixed, but if if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's on the on the um, Leach Highway or close to Leach Highway. Yeah, it's definitely close to Leach Highway. Yeah, there's um, yeah, yeah. massive tennis club, the Bull Creek Tennis Club. Then there's um, I think Southside BMX, and then next to that there's a huge park area with uh, natural yeah, bush, right. and I'm pretty sure yep. that's where it's planned for something to happen in there. Yeah, yeah. well, what, one thing I should tell you about you just mentioned BMX. Uh, we had some young blokes uh, organising or reorganising one of our parks to put in some dips and jumps, and uh, so we got involved and um, money because of safety. 
and we thought we'd go down there and help them. Uh, but when we went down there, we found there was asbestos. Oh. So we had to, so we had to quarantine it. But it, uh, with myself, uh, I thought, well, there must be a need like that, and we started investigating. Anyway, where it's led to is uh, up Point Walter. We looked around the city for places where we might put a, a BMX um, track, mm. and there's five different sites we looked at. But the one that stood out was the one near Point Walter, near the not far from Point Walter golf course. Yep. Closer to the river. Uh, a, a bit of degraded area because it had been settled a long time ago and a lot of the bush had been taken away. So we picked on that site and uh, we got the kids involved last um, April. We had a big open day and all the kids turned up with their bikes. We hired an internationally renowned uh, designer to design the BMX track. Uh, so that's all done and all the consultations are taking place. Uh, so we're going to put in a BMX track there, and the, the, the best part about it from the environmental point of view is we'll start putting mature trees back in to uh, so that we, we regenerate that bush and, and the tracks will be within those trees. So it's a win for the kids on their BMX bikes, and it's also a win for the environment and putting the trees back. So... That's something we're pretty proud of. That's it's interesting that you say that because if I think of football, it's a big space of clearance of everything, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And I, yeah, I'm just thinking about the the artificial turf at Murdoch, which allows us uh, the club, which is you know, fairly big and growing, to yeah. um, play all year round, pretty much. And um, Mordorian Gardens, Perth, Ellenbrook, uh, same. Yep. And I just wondered yeah. if maybe that was something planned more in the city of Melville for any other soccer clubs, George. Oh, look, I'll tell you what, uh, in terms of uh, w- where we uh, focus our efforts, it's always, we've got very good statistics. So if there's a need out there, we'll pretty, pretty much pick it up. And I've got to say that the sporting clubs themselves are very good in making contact with us uh, and, and alerting us to the needs as they see them. So they're our first line of intelligence, if you like. They know what's going on. They can see the demand. Uh, I had a, a um, visit not long back from, or maybe a month back, from the Adderdale Bombers Football Club down at uh, Troy Park. Uh, and they alerted me to the fact that because of the growth in young families in Adderdale, that they were getting swamped. So we've got to turn our attention to that and have a look at that. But that's gives you an idea of what happens when um, when the sporting clubs themselves see see changes because they're the first to notice it. Yeah. Mm. So they can see it and that's a good example of it. Yeah. Um, what about sport in the community generally, uh, George? Is it in a fairly good shape? Has COVID knocked it about? Is there reservation or is there good demand? Yeah, well, look, uh, I, always, uh, I always take every opportunity to to talk about uh, keeping fit. I mean, an old mate of mine said, never hit old age unfit. Mm-hmm. And and the fact is that, um, you know, there's 24 hours in the day, we sleep for eight. If we just exercise for one, just exercise one hour a day, uh, it still leaves you 15 hours left, and that's enough for even the busiest person, I would imagine. But it's just putting aside that one hour. Uh, but... 
as far as the city's concerned, what we do is to make sure that the facilities are there. And I know because I go down the, um, uh, the centre at Marmion Street, our leisure fit centre, and that's well patronised. And, um, uh, you know, they're the sorts of things we can do as a council. Yeah, true. There's certainly been a lot of uh, fitness places have, uh, well, had a tough time at the beginning of COVID, but I think they're probably flying along now. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's great. It's great when the private sector, see, because they can see a demand and uh, the private sector are much more active than we are. We're, we're a bit passive in terms of going out and recruiting people. What we do is put up the facilities and allow people at, you know, at their, um, what, at their, uh, uh, behest to to use them but when you've got uh, money when you're in the private sector what you do is you go out and actually get people which is a great thing I think Yes, um, George I really like the fact that you said that you had a 10 year plan and it's reduced to a 10 year plan it's kind of <laughs> stuck in my mind as that to me has said the demand has gone like 25% oh, yeah. quicker than you expected it to, and uh, I look forward to some good things because on this football program and for many years as a as women's football advocate, we've talked about having men's and women's, girls and boys change rooms and access so that we can increase oh, yeah. numbers equally in sport. So that's really good news. Yeah, and, and and that's really responding to what's happening out in the community because, as I said, we got caught on the hop, but we were pretty quick to act on it. Good. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Uh, George, really appreciate your time today. Uh, I hope you'll come back and, and have a chat at some point in the future and we'll see what kind of progress we've, we've made on the things we talked about today. <laughs> yeah, good on you, Ben and Pete. Yeah, good on you, George. Stay Thanks, safe. George. Okay, all the best. Bye. Bye. That was George Gear, the Mayor of the City of Melville. Very affable. Yep. I think most politicians have they got that quality. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, excellent news. Ten-year plan reduced to a two-year plan. But uh, it did surprise me a bit about no no large tracts of land left to no, work Melville, with. Melville's built up on, well, it's completely built up and, and all around as well. I forgot what the term he used was, a mature city. So, yeah. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, obviously, I'm down in Coburn and we've still got a few areas that are getting developed. Yeah. But, uh, I think in the Coburn area there's a lot of old industrial. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then he, obviously, as you head further south towards Quinana and you got the like your band jump type areas, there's still a lot of space there. Absolutely, we're getting kind of rural, regional yeah. out, yeah, past the city areas. I believe the term is the urban rural fringe. Yes, like, uh, year twelve geography coming to coming to a four there. It moves, doesn't it, over time? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But uh, it, it surprised me when he said about the asbestos, and I can think of several places around Perth. I mean, my background's in fencing game and. I know about asbestos, and it got dumped. Oh, yeah. It got dumped and covered up, and, um, yeah, so the areas where it's become parkland, and I not built on parkland, but just parkland for people to use, walk the dog, et cetera, et cetera, gets topped up and, and cleaned up from time to time, but they don't dig it out. No. They no. don't dig it out. So, and, and he was saying that they're building, and I'm pretty sure it's the area behind the south side, being next track, track yep. Yep, and that's natural bushland. It's always been natural bushland, but they're going to put something in there. If they're going to put something in there, that means they're probably going to have to take out what's there. And I just don't know how that so, works uh, for uh, health. Again, not an expert, but I assume with asbestos, if it's been buried, then it's okay, provided you don't dig it up again. So, 
Well, it's, 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 it's a mineral. Yeah, it's it's not like it's um, break, radioactive or anything. It'll, doesn't it'll break sit down. in the ground. It's not like you're not going to be breathing it if it's buried, you know, That's two, right. two meters underground. But it does have a but tendency it, to work someone. through things. Does it? Absolutely. Which is why you die from it, Pete. Yeah, I know yeah. that, but that's, again, if you're breathing it in, not if you're, you know, um, you'd need to be putting your nose to the ground. and It gets of, in your clothes and yep. it's, yeah, oh, yeah, but we won't go into that space. That's um, a whole other conversation. It, it is absolutely. There's a reason there isn't a Whitnoom United in the State League. <laughs> See, I can always tie it back to the football side of things. And so we should, but, yeah, that was just uh, a, a little bit of banter about uh, what's happening in, in the wider football community. So it'd be good to talk to different areas around Perth and sport and how they're coping with things and might throw us some other little gems well, about... I was actually thinking, as the expert on Melville, um, what what clubs, other than Mum FC, obviously, what clubs are based in the city of Melville? Um, Leeming Strikers, Leeming. as you mentioned. North Lake? North Lake. Is there, uh, I think they merged with, um, actually, Leeming. I did notice there seemed to be a bit of a merger uh, there. Perth, down on the foreshore. Um, uh, Oh, my God. Oh, you're right. You're right. I do yeah. remember playing a game there on the foreshore. Uh, um, I forgot the name oh of the Oh, my God. Nigel now. is going to kill me. I can't remember the name of the club. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it Perth AFC? Down, right down North Lake Road at the end. Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I, I remember the venue, like just over the road from I KFC. Went to blank. Oh, my God. Yes, near okay. Wireless Hill Park. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, near there, across yeah. the road, Canning right. Highway. Yeah. yeah, but that's the old one. But YMC. you can't remember the name of the club. Uh, Tompkins Park is the yep. name of the ground. But it, uh, like George was saying, massive amount of space there. Cricket play there, rugby play yep. there. And it's a nice spot too with the, the ocean view. Uh, sorry, not ocean view, the river, river view yep. as well. Yeah, totally. Whew. Let's go to break. All right. We'll come back and talk more football. This is Pan and Pete on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in and stay tuned. Football is my favourite. I love playing it with my friends. When I score a goal, I celebrate and dream of playing for the Celtics Socceroos. And this is where it all starts, with the Aldi Mini Roos kickoff program. I grab my chin pads, boot bag, drink bottle and bowl, then join my mates for some fun. It's great. We learn new skills every week through games and activities. These help us learn about teamwork and respect for others. My mum cheers me on on the sidelines. She loves watching me play. She likes it that football is such a safe sport. But best of all, we make lots of new friends. And if we are lucky, we might run into the Aldi Mineros ambassadors. Wow, it's Archie Thompson. He's, He's a, a legend. And Steph Matley from the Westfield Matilda. She is amazing. Australia's biggest football program for kids. Come and join us. You're listening to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are proud to be the longest-running football show on radio in Australia. Join myself, Penny Tannerhoth, Pete Skeller, Sean Kelly and Hugh Best every Saturday morning in the 10am to noon space. You will hear football conversations with a range of guests and gurus. The show lands as a podcast on our website and you can subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening in to the World Football Program. Dedicate yourself and you find yourself. 
Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. Welcome back to the World Football Program. That was We Are Australian. I feel very patriotic in the last couple of years with COVID and border restrictions and feeling safe here in Western Australia and people wanting to come here because I think we're doing the right thing and yep. we've got a great lifestyle and it's been protected. That's how I feel anyway. The only downside is we probably won't get to the World Cup later this year. Well, Men's World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's still a chance. Yeah. Let's not be negative. Absolutely. Let's be positive. We've got a new guest on the line, Luke Thompson. Good morning and welcome. Hi, Benny. How are you? I'm super awesome. Thank you. Luke joins us as the new Mum FC, so Murdoch United, Melville Football Club, NPL <coughs> women's coach. Oh, my God, that's such a mouthful. So you're going to get shortened to Mum FC head coach, right? You got it wrong, too. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem at all. <laughs> Welcome. Give us a little bit of background. What's the backstory to, to Luke joining Mum FC? Uh, I guess most of it just comes down to Mark Jones. Um, I've worked with Mark for a few years. Um, he approached me at the actually at the start of last season. Um, unfortunately, just a few days later, I already accepted a role at Kingsley Soccer Club last year. And so I sort of knew going through into this season that that opportunity might arise again. And the opportunity to keep working with Mark and alongside Mark was something I really couldn't turn down. And he he was so positive about the girls and the environment that the club has created that it was pretty hard to say no. Absolutely. Mark himself has got a very extensive coaching portfolio over many years and has done some great work at... Mum FC in our transition from Melville to Murdoch and the new stadium that's kind of in progress there. But the men's and the women's in the last couple of years have come along leaps and bounds at the top level. Yeah, they have. And not just the, the men's and women's program, also the junior program. I think they've got something like 1,600 juniors coming through. The junior MPL program is going from strength to strength. I know we're getting huge numbers down for trials at all levels, community level, um, yeah, the, the the program that Mark and the committee have put in place is 
seem to be bearing fruit and we're sort of starting to see that through the success of the senior sides as well. We were just talking to the Mayor of the City of Melville in George Gear, and we're talking about space availability and working through COVID and demand and et cetera like that. And one of the things that he said was that in the last, I don't know what period of time, but short period of time, he said that the City of Melville had a 10-year plan to upgrade facilities, yep. which has been shortened to a two-year plan because of demand in the local community for sport, especially having girls' and women's change rooms. And that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, the only you got to you got to provide facilities for the for the uh, programs to grow and give the young girls opportunities. Um, another reason why I really wanted to jump at this opportunity was I've got two young girls myself, and for them to be able to see you know women play sport at such a high standard and be you know show them some other role models is just such a, a great opportunity as well. Um, so anything that they're the shires can do and the clubs can do to help grow that space. Fantastic. Yeah, it would mm. be interesting to know if that same stat was same across all of the other shires in terms of the demand on yep. each other um, city within I, Perth. I imagine it probably would have been fairly standard. I, I reckon. Can't think any reason why Melville would sort of be yeah. an outlier in that case. Yep, yep, totally. Uh, and it's interesting too with COVID the massive amounts of people that usually come to Western Australia, mm. uh, like via immigration and, and provide input into sports and workplace and et cetera like that, hasn't happened. So the demand has happened yeah. in that space without more people coming into Perth or Western Australia. It's just been our own community putting the demand out there. Fantastic. So you said you've got two daughters. Are they in the 15, 16 uh, age group? Because I could do with a couple more... Girls in my 16th <laughs> No, <laughs> a, 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 a few years to go yet. They're eight and six. Okay, all right. There's still space. <laughs> <laughs> Do you travel a bit? I mean, you said you coached Kingsley. That's a fair distance from... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in Yokine. So it's 20 minutes north of Kingsley or 20 minutes to south of Murdoch. So it's not too bad. It's just um, I work in the city. So I uh, just jump on the freeway after work and try and avoid the peak hours. So it's not too bad. Yep. Is this your first exposure to a women's night series this year? It is, yes. Um, I've been involved in men's football prior, so. Um, but I did make an effort last year after obviously being approached by Mark last year to make sure that I got a, across the leagues and the teams and make sure I do my you know my research and my due diligence going into coming into a role like this. So yeah. And what did your due diligence throw up as uh, tick boxes? Uh, for the for the women's game, um, I think at the moment it's doing it's getting stronger. Uh, there's still I think a, uh, a few um, teams that are definitely stand out. Um, so you have to make sure that you prepare accordingly for all teams. But um, we, we just more and more, and as you say, we talk about that development of the women's games just going from strength to strength and it's getting stronger. And I see this season being uh, even tighter than before. So. Um, I think lots of clubs are doing the right things. Um, they're all, you know, doing their best to put the right people in charge. And just I've been to all the night series games so far to make sure I'm watching what's going on. And yeah, the level's been impressive, especially since there's none of the um, A League girls are back yet. So mm. and it will only get stronger once they return. Speaking of tight, the game last night was tight <laughs> by result. It was. Um, it went. How I thought it might play out. I knew we would have more of the ball, and I knew that um, Redbacks would 
try and feed on our mistakes, and that's what happened. Uh, first two goals, we just turned the ball over in in some poor areas, and they capitalised, and we um, managed to fight our way back. But to be honest, not thinking too much about the game. Unfortunately, we had a serious injury to one of our players last night, so that's been on my mind and dealing with still been dealing with that most of the night. So who was that? Yeah, uh, Tia Stonehill. Oh no. She's, yeah, she's my favourite so, player. Yeah, so she's um, she's not. She, we're still not sure about what's going on with Tia at the moment. Still, still waiting for confirmation of how things are. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, thoughts out to her for a speedy recovery. Of course, she was uh, part of the success of Mum FC winning the league last year, Golden Boot, and um, players that what do they call the players player, player of the year? Players Get, player. Yeah. Uh, it's not players oh, player no, been, for the whole league. Okay. Yeah, she's been she's been magnificent since I've come on board. She's been a real leader, and especially with the absence of our glory girls, she's stepped up. Um, I can't speak highly enough of her, and I only wish her all the best. And we're doing everything we can as a club side to make sure club as a club to look after and make sure she's in the right space. Gold medal, that's the word. Gold medal award. Okay. Yeah. So that's the yeah the, the highest, the fairest, and best for the whole league last yep. year. She's done very well. Uh, talk us through how you're seeing the first team at or the NPL set up at Mum FC and how it links to other parts of the club, like the 21s and, and so forth, and how that works for you? Yeah, um, so one of the my, I guess, directives coming in was to try and really bring all of the squads together. So I've got alongside the under-21s coaches, the under-16s coaches, to uh, really try and bring that squad feel squad together so I've got to all the 21 games so far and, and um, trying to get it to the 16 games as well to really bring that culture of it's, it's all one club together and um, and so the 21s are heavily involved with me at the moment as we've got girls away so it's it's trying to just bring that link and make it feel like the uh, one club yeah I, I like that that's that's very good it, it is a pretty massive club and it is across a few different grounds, Lenchira, mm. Winthrop, the stadium at uh, Murdoch there. So the high-end football, so to speak, is at Murdoch, but there's other parts that feed into that that will affect you, yeah. like 16s will be at Winthrop and partly at Murdoch and, and so forth. So it's a bit of management required, but uh, it is... It is. We've, um, we've, we've managed to arrange to get all of the girls' teams training on a Thursday night together. So from the... First 21s and 16s. Um, we do, I think we're still trying to get either a, an amateur side in as well, and they'll join in to be the fourth team on the four half pitches there at Murdoch, so we can actually, you know, get them all together starting at the same time, finishing at the same time, having them stay about as a club afterwards, and the, we've got the men's to train after, after us. So trying to really create a club environment, club atmosphere, and build that culture. Yeah, absolutely. And with the movement of the men's state league from Division 1 into... Sorry, from them moving from Division 2 into Division 1 this year, um, they'll all be uh, very ambitious and excited and the club is certainly wanting their teams to all be in NPL. Uh, it's just very nice that the women got there first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yep, uh, so the, the, just for a bit of background there, the Men's State League were inaugurated into not, 2013, I think, was their first year in the Men's State League yep. and uh, moved out of the Division 2 into the Division 1 this year yeah, for so the first time. one promotion, we'll yep. see how they go up. We'll yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I mean, Michael Ianello, the president and the entire committee, has done an amazing job since we merged with Murdoch. Uh, and no two ways about it, it's been difficult you know, financially and transition-wise to shift parts of the club to another place. Yep. And um, it, it's kind of been a disconnect, but it's been reconnected through the movement of staff and philosophies and so forth. So you, you've come into a, an amazingly big club and a structure to try and work with, Luke. Yeah, it feels that way. Um, but as you say, everyone's really trying to work together. I mean, Michael's on the phone to me regularly, um, as well as Mark. I've all, I have a really good relationship with Tacky, the first team coach for the men. As we train before and after, he comes to a lot of our games. I go to a lot of his games. We bounce ideas off each other. It's just it really is a been a really supportive environment to go into. I've been it's really fortunate. So it's been good so far. Yep. Um, and what skills personally do you bring to the table? Um, I'm a teacher. I'm a sport teacher as a background, so I've been um, coaching and teaching. I've been director of the football program um, with the school for quite a while, especially through the junior football and through up to our senior program. That's how I got involved with Mark Jones. He came on board as well for the last few years with the school. Um, so I guess just bringing a, a different uh, way of dealing with the because the girls are still young, so having that teacher background and having that way to communicate with them, I think is a strength, um, but yeah, working with Mark was fantastic and I learned a lot and I, I think it's one of the reasons he's asked me to take the job on is we have very similar philosophies on way football should be played, so it won't be a big change for the girls because um, I don't really have too many different ideas to the way he wants things done anyway. I think that's, so, uh, that's, that's important what you just said there because you kind of want the philosophy of the club to be known by the players and the infrastructure so that there's not too big a change between uh, coaching so that everybody Correct. knows what to expect. They know how to play. They know what the club wants. So I think that's really important. Yeah, the um, we've, we do that all the way through our junior MPL program. So I know that we run camp where Mark takes those and has um, and implements a style and a system that he wants to play through the club. And, that impl- and, it, and it works all the way through um, right to the senior level. So, like as I say, we, I, we talk with the, in the women's program, we talk with the coaches about a style we want to play, what brand of football we want to do. Um, obviously, with a bit of individu- uh, scope for individual differences amongst the coaches of how of what are their philosophies, but generally it's as much as closely aligned as possible. So, I mean, I had six girls play last night who played 21s last year, and they were able to step in pretty seamlessly, even though any after working with my with myself for only what is probably about six seven weeks, so um, to have to be, have that similar philosophy is very important. Yeah, I think that's important that you say there's six girls in that age group brought up because I think we do have a massive youth in the club, and well, the only way you're going to make the best use of them in the future is to introduce them into the program so that they're familiar with the structure and the other players and start playing the style, etc. and that will get loyalty and, and longevity out of the players. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the... We want to be... Uh, hopefully, we can be, become a destination club where players want to come, where young girls want to come. Um, so, and hoping that's and it starts with at the top with the women's side, um, being an example for others, and hopefully... Um, we could, that's, I mean, that's a goal of the club is to be able to be a program where people want to be at. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll we do have other clubs on during the season talking <laughs> about their philosophy, so uh, 
Sometimes. Um, yeah. I, I, wouldn't ima- I, wouldn't ima- I wouldn't imagine it would be any different. Um, I think everyone strives for the same, you know, the same, same sort of yeah. outcomes. And, um, and it's just a matter of how each club goes about it, I guess. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, good to have you on the program and chat football and um, good luck for the rest of the night series. Uh, I hope that yep. uh, Mum FC do really well and, and we'll see them in the final. By the way, the finals are streamed for the men and the women. Yep. Unfortunately, the lead-up games in any of those competitions are not streamed, but Football West will be streaming them live, so men's and women's. So if anyone out there hasn't been able to make it to any games, hopefully they can see their team play in the finals by streaming. Luke, it's been fantastic having a chat to you. Welcome to the Mum FC Fold, and thanks for joining us on the program today. Thank you for having me. Good on you. Stay safe. Cheers. See ya. Thanks, you too. Bye. That was Luke Thompson, the Mum FC NPLW coach. Bloody mouthful. Bloody mouthful. God. Okay. What else is happening? What haven't we talked about just yet before we get Simon on the line? I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about. I kind of mentioned the fact that the Glory men, um, you know, have obviously had a string of games away obviously um currently sitting ninth on the table uh unfortunately had a 2-0 loss to western united um second most recently and then most recently uh midweek we um had a 2-0 draw with melbourne city so league leaders and we came back from 2-0 down to to um peg them back and, and claim a point there so sitting ninth on the table we've caught up with a few other teams in terms of number of games played uh, so around us on the table, Newcastle, Central <coughs> Coast, Brisbane, all on 12 games played, same as the glory. So we can't really use that excuse anymore. Is it 26 rounds in the league? 26 rounds yeah. in the league, so which is a bit of a not a great number to have anyway. Um, seems like massive with all the changes and everything. Just well, seems like no, no, a it's like it's, you're it. not playing every team twice and you're not playing every team three times. You're doing sort of the AFL thing of play some teams this number of times and other teams <laughs> this number of times, which... Is a bit is a bit dodgy, you know. If we played every team three times, we'd have a thirty three round season, which is yeah pretty decent for a for a league. Um, but uh, the reason they do twenty six is because the AFC rules state a top level competition has to have twenty seven games. Teams have to play twenty seven games. So when you add in at least one FFA Cup match, uh, that gives that says every A League side plays at least one game. Right. Um, so that's that's the reason why. So they were unfortunately they're trying to keep the number of games down for fixturing reasons, maybe telecast reasons. I don't know exactly why. Um, but you know, if the A League was to extend, let's say we we got it up to the magical sixteen teams uh, and they played every team twice, well, that's your yeah, thirty rounds there, and that would be perfect. Uh, and as we've said, coming up this week, uh, coming up tomorrow, the Glory are home against Adelaide United. Uh, Adelaide haven't beaten us in the last four matches between them between the two sides at home, sorry, when Perth was the home team. And interestingly, the one game we have played at home this season, not home away from home, but real home, was also against Adelaide United way back in, God, when was that, October? I was at that game, but I can't remember when it was now. It was like round one of the A-League. Our closest And I think it finished one all as well, so Mm. from memory. Let's have a chat to Simon Hill. He'll have more to say on all of that. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Thank you for listening in, everybody. Don't forget our website, theworldfootballprogram.com.au. Yep. Uh, you can listen live there. I think that's World Football Program with an E on the end. It is, well, absolutely, so. without question. The Australian English way to spell that word. And you can podcast there as well. Man, there's a lot of people linking into it. It's great. Thanks, everyone. It's pretty super awesome. Hmm. Blow around the world. 
We'll be back very shortly. This is Pen and Pete. Oswest Fencing and Raw is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play, with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 Welcome back to the World Football Program, 107.9 FM, Radio Fremantle. Pen and Pete with you. And a welcome to Simon, who is definitely not in any morning. It's no daylight saving, so that's about just after 1 o'clock your time, Simon? Uh, 20 past 2, actually. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Three hours. Okay, there you go. Here (laughs) I am in Perth WA time. How are you keeping over there? Safe? Uh, Safe, but... um not very dry. It's been very wet, obviously, mm. over here for the last, uh, well, three or four weeks, and looks like we're set for more of the same for the next uh, week or two. So, yeah, it's a bit miserable at the moment, but uh, we're okay. We're surviving. Yeah, nothing's floating away down the road? All the soccer's still <laughs> happening? <laughs> well, well, not for me. I live on the fourth floor, so it has to be pretty hard to get to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. well, some, of those, some of those photos did look a bit scary, so, you know. Yeah, yep. 
Yeah, look, it's been pretty bad over here, to be honest. And obviously, we've got a few games postponed as well because of it. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is the El Nino effect, but um, it's, it's been the, the wettest summer in Sydney that I can remember. I've been here for 20 years, and uh, yeah, I, can't, I can't remember a, a period in time like this. And, you know, on the back of COVID, it's like, goodness me, what's next? The plague of locusts? Or <laughs> hmm. Yep, uh, we've got it all... In the entire world at the moment, I think we've got everything that can possibly happen. Don't. And, and it's getting don't, closer. Don't it's getting closer. It, Woo! Yeah. Someone touch wood. <laughs> Why would you say that, Penny? It's all right. I'm safe. I'm in my studio. I'm safe. I'm all good. Just keep talking football yeah. until COVID goes. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. yeah. Got a kitchen here with tea. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> the growing situation in Ukraine is um, bringing a whole heap of sanctions uh, from the world. How's it going to affect football, Simon? Well, it's, it's a very broad question, that. Um, <laughs> you know, clearly we've, we've seen FIFA a little bit belatedly come out and ban Russia from all yeah. uh, international competitions and uh, the club competitions as well. Um, look, I, you know, personally, I think that's the right thing to do. Although the journalist in me, the, the devil's advocate in me, does wonder where those sanctions were when the Americans invaded Iraq. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this, you could say the same about Britain, you could say the same about Australia. You know, we were all part of the Coalition of the Willing. Now, that's getting very deep into politics, but uh, obviously, you know, it's the right thing to do, in my opinion, anyway. Um, obviously, there's been ramifications for club football as well, particularly with, you know, Russian owners like uh, Roman Abramovich, who yes. decided mm-hmm. to put Chelsea up for sale. Um... So that's, that's going to have a big impact upon Chelsea, depending on you know who buys it, who takes over, uh, what money they've got to spend. Um, and I, I think in general terms, and this is only my view, but you know, football has uh, been shaking hands with the devil, if you want to put it that way, for many, many years now. You know, it's, it's gone down yeah. such a, a commercial yeah. road um, that it, it, invariably and inevitably it was going to run into these uh, sorts of problems at some point down the line, you know, if you, if you get involved with regimes that are, and I've got to choose my words carefully here because obviously I don't live there, so I don't know what the day-to-day situation is, but, you know, regimes that are not free, regimes that have different objectives, um, regimes that have different values um, to, to us in the West, if, if, if that's not to catch all the term, then at some point, that's going to come back and bite you on the backside. Yeah. Um, and that's what's happened, you know, in this situation. And, you know, I, th- I think the fact that FIFA in particular reacted so slowly to this was an indication as to just how complex and mm. how conflicted they are. Basically. And, and how far-reaching. Yeah. Of course. But, yeah. but, you know, instinctively they probably think, yep, we should throw them out. But, you know, if, if you have financial uh, connection... Absolutely. And, political connections, and we know how close Infantino was you know, to Vladimir Putin on the back of the World Cup in Russia, it becomes very, very difficult. So maybe this is the day of reckoning that sport in general, and football in particular, needed to have. Uh, and it's a reminder that, you know, no matter how much people say, oh, sport and politics shouldn't mix, of course they do. Yeah. And they have to. And that's just the nature of big business these days. And football's, you know, got to make some tough choices, I think. Well, Pete was saying earlier that, yeah, is it Sydney the FC? Sydney FC have got a Russian owner. So have you heard anything yeah, about what's do. going on there? Yeah. Are they, are no. they, no, no word? No, no I mean, you know, there's, 
And, and this is a function, unfortunately, as, as to how football flies under the radar in this country. Now, you know, if, if this was the UK or Italy or Spain or, or Germany or somewhere else, then that question would be front and centre. But because it's football in Australia, yeah. you know, nobody much cares in terms of the mainstream. Um, but really, yeah, it's a question that, that should be asked. You know, is he... Uh, should he come out and, um, you know, publicly condemn the invasion of Ukraine? Uh, should that money be invested into a, a, a sports club in Australia? I'm not, I'm not for a moment suggesting that it's dirty money because I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's, he's obviously a very rich, very wealthy businessman who's um, made his money in that country. So this, this has all sorts of ethical questions. And as I say, maybe this is the day of reckoning or, or you know, day of reality that, that football needed to have in many ways. My question is, if their sanctions are going to be applied, how fully and completely can they be applied and affect on local levels? Uh, for example, the Chelsea owner, will that affect wages? Will it affect players coming back to the club, being purchased by the club? I mean, that's... I mean, if he sells it, that's fine. But if there's sanctions applied and he has to do something, does that freeze all the assets of the club? Well, the, the well, major. Look, I think that's one. Of, I think it's one of the reasons and why he's trying to sell the club. Um, because, but he said he's going to know, take his UK... time. He's going to do it in, in well, do his due diligence and, and proper procedure. Yeah. Well, I think you know. Obviously, he's he's spent billions of dollars on Chelsea, um, and whilst he's written off. I think the $1.5 billion that he's owed in loans yep. from the club, he will still want some sort of return for the investment he's made and at least get something back to, to sell it. But it, it may well take time. If sanctions come into play in the interim, then yes, it could very well affect wages. It could very well affect you know players coming and going at that particular football club and knock-on effects for the rest of the competition. But you know, the, the, one of the reasons he's selling it is to try and avoid those sanctions because the UK government um, has, you know, already said that they they are going to go after those with links to Vladimir Putin, and Abramovich is, you know, strongly suspected of having those close links. Yep. So, to me, it looks like, you know, he's trying to get out and, and divest himself of assets. I'm told that he's also trying to sell the properties that he's bought in London as well before they get seized. So th this is very much a defensive rearguard action to try and, you know, get out before the hammer comes down, um, which, you know, if that's the case, you, you've really got to wonder why he was allowed in in the first place. Um, it, 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 look, it, it's a question that, that requires forensic investigation by investigative journalists, you know, certainly better and more informed than me. Hmm. But as I say, I think as a general catch-all term, I think this is a question that needs to be asked, not not just at Chelsea because of the current situation, but you know maybe a lot of other clubs, including my own, Manchester City. Um, I thought there was a certain irony last week. City played Everton. The Everton players who have Alicia Usmanov on their board, um, or certainly as a major investor, ran out with you know Ukraine flags draped over their shoulders. Manchester City run out with no war T-shirts on, and City are owned by the Emiratis, yeah. who abstained in the vote in the UN vote to condemn the invasion. So, you know, th these are very thorny issues for football clubs. But, you know, they, they they've got themselves in this situation by 
by embracing money from these countries, and they have to deal with the consequences, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. On on the uh, international level, um, we've got World Cup qualifiers in Europe coming up. Now, as we know, Poland had set, come out and said that they weren't going to play Russia. Uh, and as you say, FIFA and UEFA, their, their initial responses were very wishy-washy and said, well, we can't call them Russia and they can't play at home. Um, finally, they actually yeah. showed a bit of backbone and said, no, they're out. Um, Ukraine, on the other hand, is also playing in World Cup qualifiers. They're against Scotland. But looking at their, their squad list, uh, over half the team is actually based in Ukraine, uh, most of them for Dynamo Kiev. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, are they going to be able to? Are those players going to be available for a team? Are they trapped in Kiev? Like, do they even want to play for the national team, or are they, you know, picking up arms and yeah. and whatnot? But yeah, sort of. Any any idea on that front? Well, look, I mean, I can't speak for the individuals concerned, but. Mm. Yeah, all all I know is that I think that there are a couple of Ukrainian tennis players yeah. who, you know, continue to play on the tour. And one of them, uh, female, don't ask me her name because I can't remember, but uh, she, I think she was literally smuggled over the border to try and you know get out so she could continue playing international tournaments. Yeah. I would imagine, and unless they are, um, you know, keen to take up arms, which would be perfectly reasonable given that their country is under threat. <laughs> Uh, if, they're, if they're set to continue playing football, I would imagine they would very much want to play for their country because yeah. this is a very you know, international visible uh, symbol of the fact uh, uh, of their belief of their right to exist yes, as exactly. a nation. You know, it's competing in international sports. So I think they would very much want to play those games. Um, it may well be, obviously, that some might not be able to get out. Um, I don't know the situation on the ground in Ukraine. Obviously, I'm not there. Yeah. Uh, but I would imagine, come hell or high water, if if they've got a chance to play that qualifier against Scotland, they'll be there with bells on, because that you know that underlines their right to exist. Here we are, a free, independent country competing in international sports, and Russia is trying to take that away from us. So it, it's almost vital for them to continue playing sports. I would say absolutely, and and you know then to show their you know well as you say play for the play for the badge, play for the country. Um, the other yeah. other question is with Russia pulled out of or Russia removed from qualifying, that uh, currently Poland doesn't have an opponent for their first semi final. Um, I was browsing through, like trying to take a guess at what FIFA would do, whether they just give them a pass into the final or whether they pick uh, a replacement. And I guess the the, ne- the the replacement would be going by the nation Nations League group winners. Um, Hungary was that would be the next one mm. in to, to sort of step in and take. Um, uh, Russia's yeah. place in the game against Poland uh, and obviously, uh, I should say also credit to Sweden and Czech Republic they're the other two um, countries in that group and they both came out as well as Poland and said look, if we if we wind up playing Russia we're not going to play um, and yeah. a- as you say, like, you know, FIFA's response initially was, oh, you know well, whatever, but um, the problem then would have been that these countries take a stand and Russia would get a, a you know, a cruise through into the World Cup instead which is the last thing anyone would want, so um, well, look, obviously that's, that's, that's not going to happen. Yes, yeah, not going to happen. Um, so finally they've so stepped it, up. It is a question as to whether you give Poland a free pass or whether you, you know, promote the next best team. Yep. Um, if that's Hungary, then, it, then it's Hungary. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, not that their leader, Victor Orban, is, is, um, <laughs> no. is the shiniest light in, in the shed. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, and again, this is the problem for football is, you, you, you're making moral judgments, and my, you know, my initial statement about America, people might say, "Well, that's you know, that's a bit crass," or 
it's a, it's a false equivalence. But you know, I think as, as sporting organisations, they have to be very careful not to set precedents here. Yes. Um, so, and obviously, you know, as as bad as the, the Putin regime is, and I, I think we all probably believe that. You know, you, you've got to also feel a bit sorry for the Russian players. You know, they, they've they've done nothing wrong. Um, they're, they're just footballers, uh, yeah. and they're at the you know the whim of, of of their leader, political leader, really. I, I do think it's the right decision, um, and and you know my my guess, my hunch would be is that they would give Poland a free ride into the next stage yeah. um, to play either Sweden or the Czech Republic. So uh, that might be the simplest solution, but it may well be that they opt for Hungary, and if they do, well, yeah, fair enough. Yep, I I agree with that. Uh, um. Positive, positive things. Socceroos are playing Japan. They are. And the Pararoos tournament's coming up too. And for every ticket purchased, they're going to donate. This is for the Socceroos game. For every ticket purchased, they're going to donate $1 to the Pararoos campaign. So go the Pararoos Terrific. as well. Yeah. Mm. Terrific. Yep. Um, thoughts on the Japan Socceroos game? Go on, Pete. Go on. <laughs> no, 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 keep going. I had a little bit of trivia, but um, no, no, we'll, we'll focus on the actual football for now. So, uh, yeah, Australia, Japan, end of, the, uh, end of this month. March twenty fourth. March twenty fourth. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a simply oh, huge yeah. game for That's Australia. Right. It's one that they have to win, really. Yeah. Um, if they're going to have any chance of qualifying automatically, of course, there's still you know the repechage through the playoffs that they they're guaranteed. But um, ideally, you want to finish top two and avoid uh, you know the, the lottery that we had uh, four years ago to get to to Russia. So this is probably the biggest game I can remember for, for many years for the Socceroos. And and let's be honest, going into this match, you can't say that you're 100% confident that they're, they're going to get the job done. Mm, no. um, you would hope that there's going to be a massive crowd in Sydney, which which will really help, um, and that the Socceroos can lift uh, to a different level. Because the last few games, they've been poor. Let, yeah. Let's be brutally honest about that. Um, the last game they played against Oman... Really, that's a fixture that they should have won. The same before that against China. Um, it's it's not good at the moment. They, they seem to be a team that's a little bit bereft of creativity, <laughs> a little bit bereft of confidence, um, a little bit bereft of uh, you know goal scoring ability in, in various parts of the team. So, you know, I, w- I watched Japan in their game against Saudi Arabia, and they've got a, a right winger Junja Ito who is absolutely unbelievable and he's just one player that they're going to have to stop Dyson Maia there is another who's you know now it's Celtic along with Ange Postacoglu uh, they've got some great players it's it's going to be very difficult Very, yeah. di- and even if they do that they've then got to go to Saudi and get a good result over there as well so yeah, this is the toughest route possible to the World Cup mm. and uh, I, I think it's probably slightly less than 50-50 that we'll, we'll finish top two but we'll see do you, do you think anything's changed since our last Socceroos match, which was not quite sure, Ren can't remember. Against Oman? Uh, approximately. Oman, 1st of February. Oman. Yep. Yeah. McLaren is absolutely on fire in the A League, sitting top of the table mm. with I don't know how many goals, but doing very well. Last yeah. four years, he'd been on fire. 10 goals. Yeah, 10 goals. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, do you think anything's changed that is going to allow Graham Arnold to assemble a different, better, I don't know, more proactive goal-scoring squad than last time we played? Well, well, not really. I mean, you know, Jamie was in, in that 
squad against yep. Oman as well. Now, that Jamie's the sort of striker that if you give him opportunities, he'll score. Um, but obviously, at, at international level, those chances are rarer. And you've got to get the ball to him in the first place. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's one of the issues. It's not the only issue. Um, you know, there have been lapses in concentration. But you go back to the Japan game, the away game in Saitama. You know, they were within two or three minutes of claiming what would have been as it turned out, a very good point against Japan. And, you know, they had that late uh, fade-out, similar against Oman, where they led uh, twice, if I'm not mistaken, throughout the game, but, you know, could not hang on. Um, mm. Whether that's a concentration issue, whether it's a quality issue, I don't know. Um, but, you know, the, the, the bigger picture stuff, and this, again, this is only my opinion, but you, you look at the, the top teams in, in Asia... Uh, let alone Europe and South America. But uh, look at Japan just for an example. Now, they, I've said this on many occasions. And back in 1993, they started their J-League with only 10 teams, which, which is you know pretty similar to our A-League size now. Yep. Now, in 2022, they have progressed to three different professional divisions with 58 professional clubs. Now, that means an awful lot more opportunities for yep. their young players to get professional contracts, to get experience. Now, we're banging on over here at the moment about this young kid, Christian Volpato, uh, yep. who's just made his you know, Serie A debut for Ron Ronda, mm. Jose Mourinho, and looks a real talent. Now, he stepped through the net here, and there's a lot of there's a lot of people here berating Sydney FC and the Wanderers, the two clubs he was at as a junior, for, for not you know giving him an opportunity, not recognising his talent. But that can happen with kids. The difference is, in most countries in the world, there is a professional safety net beneath that elite level yep. so you can drop down to the second division or third division and still earn your living playing football and work your way back up now we don't have that because we only have 12 professional clubs 11 if you exclude wellington phoenix yeah. who are yep. based in new zealand so you know longer term we have to grow our football economy and and the reason why i'm saying all this is that at international level graham arnold basically has about 200 players 200 professionals from which to pick now, a team like Brazil, and I know they're another extreme, <laughs> in two years ago, they sold, just sold, 4,000 players overseas. Yeah. So they're looking at a, a player pool of probably about eight or 9,000. We've got 200. So by sheer you know, weight of numbers, we're up against it. Um, so we have to grow our football economy, but that's a longer term. Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, one of the things, I guess, to remember with to, to compare with Japan and the J League, and, and much as I'd love to see us get a second division and the rest is, like, Japan's got five times the population of Australia. They're in a much smaller yeah, area geographically, definitely. and they don't have other intrinsic football codes sort of, you know, Well, people dominate. Now, see, I, th I think this is a bit of a myth. Australia loves this we're unique angle. Yeah. It's true. Japan doesn't have four of the football codes, but it does have sumo. It does have baseball. Yeah. It does have other sports that are popular. It plays rugby union. Yeah. Uh, they have a professional league in that competition. So, you know, there is competition. Uh, yes, they've got a bigger population. There's no doubt about that. And there are other countries the same. But I think we've got to get away from this, oh, you know, woe is us because we're so unique in having four different football codes. Mm. Um, we're, we're not unique. Lots of countries have different competing sports. Um, we do not invest enough in our football. And that's a problem of uh, government influence that we don't have. It's also a lack of corporate support. And that's where it does go to the other codes. Yeah. So we've got to become a lot better at fighting for that, 
you know, slice of the pie. Yeah. We're not very good at it, unfortunately. We've had this conversation before. <laughs> I feel we're going to have it again. Yeah, many times. Uh, <laughs> just just before we let you go, Simon, I, I had a bit of trivia. I shared this with Penny earlier. I didn't know this. You may already be aware of this, but off the top of your head, could you name the first football club to ever wear numbers on their jerseys? Uh, <laughs> as far as I know, that was Everton and Manchester City in the FA Cup. Final 1933, but you might be about to tell me something. I'm about to tell you it was actually uh, Australian team Sydney Leichhardt and HMS Powerful in 1911 were the first teams go. to. So there you go. Just a so, so on the on conversation of like Australian footballing culture and our position in the world, we were actually the first country in the world to have numbers on jerseys. So, which I admit we probably did get from Aussie rules and, and rugby league, but nevertheless, in the footballing world, it was. And, and I was quite shocked to, to hear that because. I'm used to us being a footballing backward order, not a not a trendsetter. <laughs> well, I'm sure there are lots of those stories, you know, but unfortunately we're not very good at telling them. So good on you for uh, bringing that to my attention. Very impressed. Yeah. I expect to hear it in the broadcast at some point. Yeah, Pete's, <laughs> Pete's superb at you that. You might well be. Uh, and just on the fixtures this weekend, uh, the Football Australia has said there'll be, is it 30 seconds or a minute silence? I'm not quite sure. There'll be silence for... Uh, the Ukraine in support and possibly and the, and the floods, floods as well. Yeah, yeah all those far. affected by the floods. Man, there's a, there's a lot happening yeah. out there and our thoughts go out to everyone and Perth Glory playing at home again this Sunday. So get down there and support them. I thought that's what you were going to leave with today. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the first time in 106 days and you want to talk about Russia. <laughs> <laughs> go Glory. And, and guess who we're playing at? Adelaide again. So Adelaide is sitting fourth on the table. We are not, but there are many more games left in the season. So yeah. come on, Glory. Yeah. Come on, Simon. What's your Good comment? Stuff, <laughs> I'm looking forward to I'm calling the game tomorrow, so I'm looking Excellent. Good All job. All right. It's our last bastion because the Glory women have finished their season. Adelaide are, are third on the table. They're doing very well. And I'm putting the link in there because we're speaking with Miranda Templeman next, who's yeah. the Adelaide goalkeeper from she, she, uh, Yeah, Adelaide United are our second team in the yeah, W League, kind of. in the A League women's. Yeah, they are, kind of. Simon, thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time today, as always. And, uh, yep, uh, appreciate uh, you coming back, East Simon, having a chat. No problem. Good on you. No Thanks, Simon. Have a good weekend. Here goes. Bye-bye. That was Simon Hill, Paramount Sports and uh, 10. Channel 10. Channel 10 play. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yes, we're going to go to a break, come back and, and chat more football with Miranda if we can get a hold of her. Miranda, are you out there? <laughs> Be handy. This is Penn and Pete on the World Football Program. Back soon. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 9258-6822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. 
station sponsor. When I look back on my career, I don't want to be asking myself, what if? The time has come to show them our passion, our grit. Show them the meaning of high-energy football. Show them our great Aussie spirit, that we give it our all and never say die. The AFC Women's Asian Cup is here. It's time to show them who we are. Okay, and in the W League, oh, sorry, the A-League Women's, uh, results over the last couple of uh, games have been Melbourne City 2-0 over Newcastle Jets. Uh, Melbourne City currently sitting second on the table. Western Sydney Wanderers 3-2 uh, win to Wellington Phoenix. Sorry, I worded that badly. Um, so Wellington Phoenix had a 3-2 win, only their second ever win in the history. Uh, followed up by a 3-1 win to the Glory over Wellington Phoenix. Unfortunately, the Glory have just missed out on fourth spot and a final position on goal difference. Uh, but coming up, we still have in the W League Adelaide United tomorrow at home against Sydney FC. And that is a game that if Adelaide can win, they can squeak into second spot and get that second chance for the uh, finals. And speaking and, of Adelaide United... Yep, we have the Adelaide United goalkeeper on the line. Good morning and good afternoon, Miranda. Good morning, Penny. How are we? Totally super. We've got Pete in the studio, of course, as well, talking everything else that I don't talk about. <laughs> hey, Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pete. Um, we were just uh, having a chat uh, about the table and comparing how the Glory guys are sitting well below middle of the table in the men, but mm -hmm. have still got a chance to defeat Adelaide United and make the finals because they've got a stack of games to go. But that is unfortunately not the case with the A-League women's table. You're doing very well sitting third on the table at the moment. Yeah, we're super happy. And um, with our win last week against Melbourne Victory, we secured the first final, final spot that the club's ever had in the women's league. So it's a big feat for the club and really happy to be a part of it. Absolutely. Uh, well done. Congratulations. What happens when the season finishes, and it's not too far away, um, do you go and play NPL in Adelaide or you come back to Perth and play NPL or is there Matilda stuff happening for you? Yeah, so I've actually sorted out a bit of a bit of an unorthodox uh, plan for the off-season. So what I'll be doing is um, during the week staying in Sydney with a host family and doing uni and doing the Future Matildas program during the week. And then actually going to Melbourne on the weekends and playing in the Melbourne MPL oh. um, and staying with my partner in Melbourne. So it's going to be, you know, a bit of back and forth, but super looking forward to it. Okay, excellent. And when are we going to expect a fully professional W League so that these decisions are a little bit easier for you and we can retain the best players here in Australia playing women's football? Oh, if you could tell me, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. No, I think it, it's getting there every year and it's progressing every year and the PFA doing a great job pushing for us in the new CBA agreements and, yeah, it's only improving and here at Adelaide it's been, like, a really professional setup. I've been really impressed with the way they go about things and just the respect from the club towards our women's setup and it's great. It, and we have um, Vito Bastille, who used to be a part of the Matildas um, managing setup as our director of football, so across all the men's and the women. So it's great to have someone with 
experience in women's football looking across everything because we really do feel included. Okay. At, at the moment, leading in the goal-scoring list is uh, Adelaide's Wurtz. Is that how you pronounce her surname? Wurtz? Wurtz? Yeah, Fiona Wurtz. Wurtz, yep, um, with 13 goals. 13 games, 13 goals. It's pretty good. Good return ratio. Yep, not bad. Yeah, definitely. I think they played her on the wing one game and she just slotted in five. <laughs> so they've kept her there ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, Miranda, Adelaide in the past, like I realise you've only joined them this season, but in the past, if you go back over the history of the W League, they've traditionally been almost, well, not almost, uh, the worst team in the W League. Like, I'm not trying to sound like I'm having a go, but I'm, I'm like wondering, wondering what's changed this season. Like, I think for the first five seasons in the W League, they finished bottom two every season. Like, they were unequivocally the worst team in the league. What's, I mean, obviously you're only there this season when things are going well, so maybe you're the difference. <laughs> I'd like to think so. But, but any, any idea sort of what, yeah, what, what's, what, what's changed that's that's turned them around so dramatically? Uh, definitely I think it's not just a case of this season. It's been like the last few seasons. Yeah. They've kind of been building towards that finals berth. And last year they only missed out on gold. That's true. Yeah. I know this year they were, they were really hungry for it. But I think one of the key things has been keeping a consistent core at the club and they've been re- done really well to keep players at the club for long periods of time. Like Em Condon has been at the club for nine years now and, yep. you know, she's a class player. Um, but yeah, super just consistent with that. And when you have that core group together, even if you're not doing well at the start, you have already have something to build off for the next season and the next season and they can tweak it each year and bring in new players as they like and, but having the core group the same, I think, has been massive for them. Um, yeah, so really happy to be a part of that. And I think the main reason that they've been able to keep such a core, great core group is because of the culture of the club is really great and really inclusive. So people want to come back. Even if you're not winning every week, it's that culture that you want to be a part of and you're drawn to. So to be able to build that project and get good people on board is, I think, how they've built this success over a few years. Okay, That's good to hear. Does that mean that you signed up again for another season? <laughs> <laughs> or are you still considering coming back to Perth? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Sunday, sixth of March is um, what is uh, that's, that's your tomorrow. next game? Yeah. Your next game against, um, against Sydney, Sydney, which are sitting top so, of the table. So yeah, that's like I was saying, conceivably yeah. a win for for Adelaide could get them, depending how Melbourne City go, could actually get them second spot on the table. Hmm. Yeah, so we've got Sydney FC, and I think they'll come out hungry for it because yeah. I think a win secures them as the premiership. That's so, um, But we're coming off a good win against Melbourne Victory, and I think that was a massive game for us. Like The Pride game as well um, was just amazing to be a part of. Literally, like going walking around and clapping the fans after the game gave me goosebumps. Like, it was mm. just an incredible atmosphere, and Cooper Stadium is probably the best football stadium in the country, in my opinion. It's like a proper, you know... It's the red and white, AUFC, Coopers, all over the seats. And, no, it was just absolutely incredible to be a part of. And coming off that, I think it's definitely... We were in a good chance against Sydney and they'll come out firing, we'll come out firing and it'd be nice to go into finals on a bit of a winning streak. Yep. How have you um, seen the season pan out with with, uh, Perth Glory, who had some games in Tasmania um, and... Hadn't been home for a while, but uh, other clubs in the A-League women have been able to be close to home 
So how have you felt about the season and how it's panned out? And uh, you just said then that you had goosebumps, so there was a decent crowd. We're at 50% capacity over here. Yeah. Mm. How, how do you view things? Yeah, I think, like, speaking to some of the Perth girls, like, it's obviously been difficult for them being away from home so much. And, you know, they've done really well this season and unfortunately just narrowly missed out. Um, but even getting the result yesterday, I think, is a good way to send them out. Yep. Um, but... Yeah, I think it's been hard on a lot of teams. Like, I think we had a, a period where we had three games in a week all away, and it was just draining on your body. Um, but it's being able to pick up, you know, you might we we lost our first game, and then we're able to pick ourselves up on the road, and I think that's a really great bonding experience, and one that a lot of the Perth girls talked about is just the benefit of, Spending all this time together actually brings you really close as a team. So um, there is obviously a lot of difficult parts to it. And there are players all over the country who are away from home is the reality of it. And that's being a footballer. Sometimes you have to make sacrifices for your greater good in your career. It's a young person's gig, isn't it? Mm. If you're talking about being away from home, uh, Perth Gory are a great example because they've been away from home for so damn long. And that's away from families, jobs, you know, border closures and, and so forth. Uh, we're talking, let's say, men's A-League, then they're fully professional. That's what they do yeah. for the whole year. Mm. So they're dedicated to the cause. But the women yet have to have their breaks, make the sacrifices, like you say. And that that's a tough gig, Miranda. Yeah, 100%. And I think um, it's something that's, a massive issue in the league and COVID really highlighted that with, you know, yes. suggestion of hubs and players are just like, well, I can't. I've got a full-time job here. Yes. And how can you expect me to leave that job and go into an apartment across the country for three months? It's just not feasible. So um, it's something that, as I said, the PFA is pushing really hard for us, but it is a process. And the World Cup next year, which sounds crazy to say, but next <laughs> year um, is a good stepping stone and a good target to work towards because, yeah, that will give a lot of publicity for women's football and it's a good milestone for everyone to look towards. You can understand why clubs would bring in players from overseas if they're able to encourage them to get here, Mm. to fill positions if our young players or our female players in our own league are unable to make that decision to go into a hub or stay away from home. I mean, I think Perth Glory had six homegrown players in their last couple of games on the field, and we have many more in our squad. Yep. But um, they're just not all available to, and, and same with other teams around Australia as well. They're just not all available at the time required to go into a hub or play the game or a postponed fixture. It's been a crazy season. Yeah, it has. and like we experienced that, like um, our last game against Wellington Phoenix was a bit of a, a nightmare. We had. Hail! So our, our game, our warm up got delayed thirty minutes, and we we're all sitting in the change room. And then they got another thirty minutes for lightning strikes within the ten k <laughs> radius, and we ended up getting out warming up. And it was actually really nice; like it looked great. The clouds were clearing. Get back inside, you know. Stents gives a great team talk. We we're all super hyped. Go to walk out, and they're like, "Nah, soft. Like the game's cancelled." So we ended up staying in Wollongong another night and playing the next day. So. It's just the unpredictable nature of football, really, and being able to mentally handle stuff like that is kind of what separates teams from, you know, good and great. Yeah. Do you feel any buzz or any World Cup vibe around? You've got 
two stadiums there, the Football Centre and I think Mar- Martin, um, that are yeah. going to be hubs for the training. So uh, how's Adelaide, the city, preparing? Is there any kind of you know, thing that you can see is World Cup affected? Oh, not, oh, they're doing um, a lot to Cooper Stadium because I think that's going to be a, a fixture centre. So um, they're doing massive renovations on Coopers, which is going to be great. The whole East Grandstand, I think it is, is getting renovated. So they're adding new gym facilities and everything like that in there. So that'll be really great. And I think South Australian football is just developing. I remember like from when playing against them in WA state teams, under 12s and everything, you know, they've come a long way because it was always kind of a write-off game and they weren't you know seen as 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 a strongest state but they're producing some good young talent and like being a part of the Adelaide United squad you can kind of see the glimpses of like young players coming in and training for a session you're like oh you know there's some potential coming through here so it's good and I think with like the introductions of live streams like South Australia's in a similar boat to Western Australia where the live stream has done so much good for it because it's allowed you know, talent in our local NPL competitions to get a look in for national team selection. And um, we had that with Tash Rigby getting a look in on W League um, and NPL performances ended up getting called up to the ID camp at the end of 2020, I think it was. So, um, yeah, really good to see uh, these players getting a look in and actually doing well. Miranda, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, congratulations on a really good healthy season with Adelaide United and Mm. I'm happy that you're excited about it I hope you get some game time we'll be hanging out for that as our second favourite club (laughs) (laughs) your favourite club in the final yeah Yeah. that's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say absolutely appreciate your time and stay safe and enjoy your football thank you will do thanks guys thanks Amanda that was Miranda Templeman, young Matilda, goalkeeper for Adelaide United. Pete, that's two hours of football done and dusted. And Len it and like a very quick two hours, Bags too. Groove is coming yeah. up next. Yeah, it always goes quick. Yeah. Yeah, never can fit enough football in, really. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. New team in next week. Not quite sure who's hosting next week, but some combination of Sean or Hugh will be in. This is the World Football Program signing off for today. Stay safe. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.